everybody. Welcome to your weekly sermon from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am so glad that you decided to join me today. I believe this is going to be a, a blessing to you. I, th- I think it's, I believe it's going to be something that's going to encourage you and to strengthen you and uh, whatever you're going through right now. You know, whirling all around us every day is, we talked about this last week, is chaos. And we talked about being calm in the chaos, how we find that calmness in our lives. We're always constantly dealing with different battles. Whatever that is, whatever your battle is right now, um, we all have them. We all go through them. It is a truth of a follower of Christ that they will go through adversity. They will go through difficult times. But the key to all of this, and when you're going through any kind of a battle, any kind of situation in your life, that there's a trial, something's coming against you, whether it's from you know, the world, the flesh, the devil, whatever, whatever that trial is there, is, there is a way to find victory in that. And one of the ways that we find victory in that is that we realize it's not our battle. And that the, it's, the battle that we are in is the Lord's. And until we learn to deal with that that way and look at it that way, that we will never truly walk in victory. So the title of our sermon this week is The Battle Is Not Yours. The Battle Is Not Yours. I think this week and last week, Common to Chaos are two uh, very important uh, truths and teachings that we all need to know. Um, in our lives to to give us and to equip us as men and women of God to truly walk in victory. You know, we really are living in the last days. If you look around us, all the evil that's going on, perpetrated on children and on and on and on, it's, it's, a, it's a time of great wickedness, and we're in the midst of it. We're not of it, but we're in it, and we're, we are just journeying through this, but we are still here and in the middle of it, we go through our own battles, our own personal battles. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're dealing with right now, but you know something personally that you're dealing with right now. And I'm here to give you a 40-minute sermon that's going to tell you that the battle is not yours. So let me say, I'm going to use scripture verses all throughout that. I don't have a particular one. We're going to, we're going to actually be in Second Chronicles for our main text. Uh, And we'll get to that in a minute. But let me just put this right at the outset. The battle, the spiritual battle that you're in right now, it's not yours. It's the Lord's. It is the Lord's. It's not yours. But we have to believe that it's not ours. We have to really believe that the battle is not ours. And the reason I, I, I ask is because so many of us in our lives, we live in a manner where we believe the battle is ours and it's ours alone, that we have no help. And it's easy to get that way, even as a man or woman of God, to get to a place where you think you have no help when we have ultimately the greatest possible help of any that anybody can have, and that's God himself, who is for us and who cares about us and who's willing to step in and fight all of our battles for us. We learn Last week, you got to cast your cares upon the Lord. And so many end up struggling. They're not finding victory in their lives because they end up the, end up believing that the battle was theirs and theirs alone. And we've got to get rid of that mindset. We've got to get rid of that thinking. We've got to get to a place for us as true followers of Christ to say that the battle is not ours. And when we say that the battle is not ours or it's not yours, that is a, it, and, it, and it is the Lord's, that is a statement about our faith. That's something that we, 
that's true of us as men and women of God. We can say that. The battle's not mine, it's the Lord's. That is a statement of our faith. We believe that. We hold on to that. We know that. Listen, I'm going to say right at the outset that I've gone through battles in my life. I've been serving the Lord since 1985. I've been in the ministry since 1987, and I've had battles. Believe me, we all have. And, um, you know, I'll be honest, at first, you know, you sometimes can get into a situation where you're not trusting in God. You're trying to, you know, your mind's spinning. How am I going to deal with this one? The first thing we should do is immediately go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is yours. It's your battle. This is not mine. I'm not going to carry this. I'm going to have, I'm going to ask you to help me find the wisdom to walk through this appropriately. So to tell ourselves that the battle is not ours, it's a very encouraging statement for us to stand still and put our hope in trust in the Lord to handle all that we are fighting. Amen. And as we go through life, we find that the journey and all that comes with it, it is quite a battle. And sometimes we get sick and tired of it, but it happens and it constantly comes against us. Again, the world, the flesh, the devil, whatever's going on, but we have to Remember, the book of James says, count it all joy, brothers, when you deal with many types of trials. Um, that's something that's really hard for us. How do we find joy in the midst of a trial? Well, that's because we've given it to the Lord, because we realize God is going to fight the battle for me. God is going to fight the battle for me. And like the children of Israel, we're going to use them as an example today. We have many trials, tribulations, and adversities that we fight and battle against in our journey to the land of heaven. And uh, that's been promised to us. But we have that those battles on the way, on, on in, in our journey on the way to our promise of time and eternity with Christ. So we must focus on our battle and how we go about enduring so we can reach the finish line and be victorious. So many times our battles and our trials and our tribulations, they beat us down and steal our victory because we try to deal with them our selves. We don't go to a counselor first. We don't go to a friend first. We don't go to our dog first. We go to God first with the understanding that God is the one that fights my battles. Say that right now. God is the one that fights my battles. He's the one that fights my battles, not me. Amen. We talked about last week, we have to submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God and let God deal with all these things because that's what he's there for. He's there to fight, take our battles and to win us the victory in the midst of them. So there's a few ways that we can deal with this. We can deal with our, our battles and how we, how we walk through this journey to the finish line. First, the first way we could deal with it is we could try to take on the battle to reach the finish line by ourselves without any assistance from the one who is able to help us. Secondly, we, instead of trying to take on the battle because it's so difficult, we could give up and stop fighting. Have you ever felt like just giving up and stop fighting? Well, that's exactly what the devil wants you to do, is to give up. I mean, as a man and woman of God, he wants you to give up and stop fighting. We're not going to handle it like that, right? We are not going to do that. We're not going to do number two. So number three is we could choose to wait on the Lord, be steadfast, and rely on him and his help in our battle to endure and help us reach the finish line. I choose number three because I'm going to wait on the Lord and I'm going to be steadfast in the midst of that trial and completely and totally rely on him to help me in my battle. There's no greater person, there's no greater 
person that you can have in your life than God who is going to help you fight your battles. We cannot take the battle on by ourselves. And I would suggest to you very strongly today that taking on the battle and all the fights within it yourself is a very, very poor strategy. You will lose trying to do that because you don't have the strength and you don't have the ability within yourself to win these fights and these battles and these tribulations and these trials that you're going to be going through, that you're going through now, or you're going to be going through in the future. And a lot of people in scripture have tried to do this, taken on themselves with very tragic results. And we've talked about this in one of the sermons that I did several weeks ago. We talked about this. One good example is King Saul. Saul was a man that was given an extraordinary opportunity because he was anointed and allowed to be the king of Israel by the Lord himself. People wanted a king. They kind of rejected God. So God said, okay, this is going to be your king. But even with this great opportunity, we find that Saul did not rely on the Lord completely as an ally. He would get out ahead of himself and try to deal with things in his own way. And it cost him greatly. Um, he had this unlawful sacrifice we see in 1 Samuel 13, 1 through 14, where he became a man of great impatience when it came to waiting on the Lord. He didn't want to wait on what the Lord wanted him to do, so he acted on his own, and it cost him greatly. So in his impatience, he grew to be a man that would not heed the voice of the Lord or follow God's commands as shown. And one of the ways is when he did not destroy the Amalekites, as commanded by God. That's in 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 9. God told him to wipe them all out, but he didn't. He spared some, spared the king, spared the best of the sheep and the animals, and uh, God caught him on it. The prophet Samuel came along and said, what is that noise I'm hearing? And he know, and Saul tried to make up some excuse why he did it. The people did it, and he started shift blaming and blaming on everybody else, but it's because he tried to take on his battle himself and got out in front of God and didn't wait on God. He wasn't steadfast and waiting on the Lord. He got out in front of himself and it cost him greatly. And he had gotten so far away from the Lord that he literally began to take on the battles without God's assistance. That's not something that you want to do. It's going to cost you greatly. And in the end, the consequences were tragic, not only for Saul, but also for his family, his sons who followed him into battle. And uh, Saul tried to will himself to victory, but listen, even our will cannot lead us to be victorious in what we must endure in life. We need help. I need help. You need help. Problem is, many times we go to every other thing but God first. Every other thing that, but God first. A lot of it, we just sit in worry. A lot of it, we just sit in fret. And a lot of it, we just sit in anxiety. Um, we're supposed to be calm in this. We're supposed to be steadfast, enduring this, waiting on the Lord. Wait on the Lord and he will give you strength. Wait on him. He will fight your battles. Some people have gotten so exhausted from fighting the fight that they cannot seemingly no longer endure and people just kind of give up. We are not people who are meant to give up. We're not people who are meant to give in. We are people who the word of God says that we are more than conquerors and we have every right and ability and all the means that are available to us to be victorious 
And the secret to it is, is not trying to take the battle on yourself, but give it to God. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Other people have been so paralyzed. Fear has paralyzed them so greatly and it holds them back from pushing forward to endure those hills and mountains and valleys and adversaries. And fear stops them. Fear is a great, the enemy uses fear in a great way to hinder even men and women of God from moving forward. And let's remember the children of Israel, when they entered into the promised land, the Lord spoke to Joshua, remember that? And commanded that he and the children of Israel not be afraid, but to be strong and of good courage. Joshua 1.6, don't be afraid, be strong and be of good courage. I say to you right now, even before we're done with this sermon, don't be afraid, be strong, and be of good courage because your God is with you right now in the midst of your battle. Somebody say hallelujah to that. So there was no need for them to fear the road ahead of them because the Lord was always going to be before them and he would always be with them to shield and protect them on every side. And it's the same thing with you. He, you do not have to fear because he has gone before you. He is with you. He is there to shield you and protect you from every side. Think about that. That's available to us, but we sometimes wait too long to tap into it. And we suffer in our trials because we're not doing simply what we're being told in the word of God right now that we should be doing. Listen to these words in Joshua 1.5. How encouraging is this? No man shall be able, this is God to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. It's the same way with you. He will not leave you and he will not forsake you. God was his shepherd. God is your shepherd. God was the shepherd of the children of Israel. He cared and he protected, he cared and protected them. We have a good shepherd ourselves in God who is always protecting us from those that would desire to come upon us and cause us harm. Psalms 23 says, His rod and his staff, they shall comfort me. Well, the rod is for protection and the staff is for guidance. That's who he is. He's our shepherd. He's our Jehovah Rohi. He is always with us, guiding us and protecting us and shielding us from danger we just got to learn to tap into God when our problems come and know that God is with us. We do not have to take this on ourselves. He is the Lord and the battle is his. We have a good shepherd that will not allow the wolves to come into the field and scatter us. Somebody say amen to that. We're always, I said, we are always under his watchful eye. When Jesus spoke of being the good shepherd, in John chapter 10, he said this in verses 27 through 30. My sheep, that's you and me, followers of Christ, we are his sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who was, who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand I and my father are one. Ooh, man, are you kidding me? That's who's on your side. That's who's on your side. And I feel I must remind you that you have a guide in this battle, right? Remember, we talked about it. He is your staff. He's your shepherd. And with that staff, he will guide you into places of rest. That's why it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
His God, his his staff guides you. His rod protects you. He's your protector, capital P, in this battle. He's your protector. So in this fight, we can survive and we can endure whatever you're going through. If it's the loss of a loved one, if it's the loss of a child, if it's a sickness, if whatever it is, a financial thing, you can survive and you can endure. Listen, we're going through difficult times right now and you hear all this horror, all these things that are supposed to be coming against us. I don't have to deal with that. I'm going to be victorious through all of it. I don't care what they say about a food shortage. God's going to take care of me and my wife because we believe the battle's not ours. The battle is the Lord's. Amen. He's always on my side. He's always on Janice's side. He's always on our side. So why should we ever get up and why should we give up and why should we ever be afraid? Why should we ever give up or why should we ever be afraid? We will never grow weary. We will never grow weary when we realize that the battle is not ours and it's the Lord's. We will never grow weary. Get out of your weariness and give this battle to God and know that he is with you right now. Read Psalms 27. Lord is a strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I mean, he talks about his enemies. They're going to fall beside him. They're going to, you know, 10,000 at one, one side and by his right side. And he's going to be victorious in that. Whom, whom shall I fear? He says, whom shall I be afraid? I, I, he is our guide and our protector leading us through this life, telling us we don't have to be afraid. He is our mighty protector today. So I, let me ask this. What do you think of when you think of the word protector? What do you think of a protector? Well, I think of someone as a protector who's um, always watchful. They they are always on guard. They're my protector. I've been I've worked executive protection before, and you know the job is you keep your eye on the principal. That's the person that you're protecting. You keep your eye on them. You look out. You have situational awareness. You look around you. You make sure there's no evil trying to get to them. You, you are always on guard. You can never let your guard down. That's the way, that's the way God is. And think of someone, I also think of someone who, if the situation arises, they can provide safety, security, and protection so that the one they are protecting can survive and make it through. That was our job in executive protection. That was our job to get that guy out of there or that lady out of there to protect them, to help them survive and to make it through. As a protector, that's what I was called to do. But God is our mighty protector, capital M, mighty, capital P, protector. And he works, we, we see him operating in our lives when we read scripture. God is our protector. We look at an example, and that's where we're going to get to our main text, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we come across this very interesting moment in time where, where Judah, the southern kingdom, had a similar choice as Israel, the northern kingdom, that they had to make. And you can go into your Old Testament and read and study this. Maybe we can talk about this sometime in northern and southern kingdoms. At this particular point in time, Judah was under the reign of King Jehoshaphat. And he was one of the good kings of Judah that walked in the way of the Lord. And many of them did not. We see that in 2 Chronicles 17, 3 through 5. He led reforms to turn Judah's uh, Judah away from its wickedness and back to living under the commandments of God. We see that in 2 Chronicles 19, 4 through 11. And it was after these reforms that Judah's adversaries of old came knocking on the door again. 
And so we're told in this chapter that Moab, Ammon, and others from Mount Seir came to do battle against Jehoshaphat and Judah. You see that in 2 Chronicles 20, verses, verse 1 and verse 10. And it's interesting because Jehoshaphat was leading Judah through their trials and tribulations of wickedness. He's leading them through that to being a nation that was now, you know, putting themselves and submitting themselves under the commandments of God. And as soon as they're making it through those trials and tribulations, their adversaries popped up. And I thought about that. Life's like that, isn't it? We make it through one storm and another storm isn't far behind, right? But that's not the time to give up. We can't look at that and go, when's this ever going to stop? We just got to give it to God and keep pushing through. So, for Judah, these adversaries were supposed to have been rid of, gotten rid of, uh, or dealt with, but their forefathers failed to do this. So this allowed the adversaries to hang around and now cause trouble for their descendants. And I believe this is kind of representative of how some of the hardest things we face in life are the things we never truly put away from us when we should have. I believe this is representative of how some of the hardest things we face in life are the things we never truly put away from us when we should have. Fighting these things off then becomes the most grueling fight we have, right? How many agree with me on that? And even after we've confessed our faith in the Lord, we find that we still struggle with our old self his or her old ways, which ends up adding on to our trials and tribulations. Tell me that you have not, as a man or woman of God, ever struggled with the old man trying to rise up inside of you because all of us were involved in things in our former life before Christ that were our little pet sins. And guess what? Once we, be, once we get saved and once we come to faith in Christ, that old flesh is still there. We're, we're born again. We are redeemed and justified, but that old flesh is still hanging around and he's still trying to invade your life and get you to go back uh, and act like you did before you knew Christ because he wants to ruin your testimony, he wants to ruin your life, and that's what your flesh does. So we fight against the flesh, the world, and the devil. Um, Paul would tell you that uh, as a genuine believer that we are hard-pressed on every side. Paul went through this too, wrote three-quarters of the New Testament. He, he himself dealt with all this stuff. But I, I guarantee you that Paul would tell you that even though we're hard-pressed on every side, we are not crushed. We, that's the key to this. We're not crushed. Even though we're being pressed in on every side of our life, the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. The Lord just wants us to understand that truth and turn all this over to him. Quit struggling and fighting so hard with it in your own abilities. You're not going to be victorious. You're not, it's not about going to a counselor again, I'll say it, and going to your friend. It's about going to God and knowing how strong he is, how mighty he is, what a mighty protector he is, and know that he's there to shield you and protect you and walk you through these trials of your life and your journey to the promised land. He's there to be with you and help you find the victory every single time. Now, let us look at, pay close attention to how Jehoshaphat responded. This is where we get a great key in this Bible account, how he responded to Judah being surrounded by all these adversaries um, so that uh, 
we that who are hard pressed on every side can respond in the same way that he did. We need to look. We look at this Bible story and realize what he did, we need to do, and we'll find victory in our lives just like he did here against his adversaries. We will see that his first action was not to try to take on the battle without God or to give up. Even at this moment in his life where the adversaries were surrounding him, we're told he was afraid. And all of us, you know, that's okay at that, that initial time when that battle comes. You know, it, we initially sometimes in our, we'll go to be fearful, but he grabbed a hold of himself. You need to grab a hold of yourself right now and get out of fear. He grabbed a hold of himself, and we're told in 2 Chronicles 23 that he set himself, here we go, to seek the Lord about this. He set himself to seek the Lord. So he feared for a moment, got rid of it, set himself to seek the Lord. Um, Take it a step further, we're shown that Jehoshaphat had all of Judah come together and stand before the Lord. 2 Chronicles 20, verses 4 through 13. And let me read that to you right now. It says this, So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord in front of the new courtyard, and he said, Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. See this? He went from fear into this proclamation and declaration of who God is and who has got, who God has been and who God is in their life right now. He says, power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, our God, drive? Now he's going to talk about what he did before, what God did before, and he knows that God can do it again. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land from your people Israel and give it to the descendants of your friend Abraham forever? They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand before this house and before you and cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear and save us. Verse 10, Now behold, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you did not allow Israel to invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, for they turned aside from them and did not destroy them, They didn't do what they were called to do. Verse 11, see how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. Verse 12, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless. This is the key. This is what the world will not tell you. You're supposed to be self-reliant. He said, for we are powerless before this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It says all Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. So let me go back to a point we made earlier. This is happening because people were told, uh, some of their forerunners were told to wipe out the inhabitants of these particular people, Ammon and Moab and those of Mount Seir. They were supposed to wipe them out, all of them, but they didn't. So their descendants rise up, grow up, and now they're now turning back and coming at them shouldn't be happening because they sh- there should have been obedience to God in this first command, but there wasn't. And so now this is happening to them. They're being surrounded by all these people. But let me go over point by point what he's doing. 
he, he was a man of genuine faith in the Lord. And his very, very first response was to go to God. Our response when we're fighting that uphill battle, whatever you're going through right now against, again, our trials, our tribulations, our adversaries should be to seek the Lord first. First. Somebody say first. So now as King Jehoshaphat, he could have moved like a lot of other kings before him of, of that era. He could have moved out with ego and arrogance and tried to fight uh, Judah's adversaries by himself, but he did not. It says Jehoshaphat prayed. That's how he fought. He prayed. And when you're praying, you're going to God for help. That's what prayer is. You're going to God for direction, for guidance, for strength, and for help. That's the first thing he did. And then he began, not to remind God, but he began to, to repeat back all the things that God had done before. And he's saying, you did it before. I know you can do it again. He acknowledged the power and the authority of the Lord that no man could withstand him. He's acknowledging. Sometimes, again, a key here. You've got to acknowledge who God is in your battle right now. No one can withstand God. No problem can withstand God. No adversary can withstand God. Where, who is there that can go up against God and defeat him? No one. No one. No one can go up against God and defeat him. There's nobody that can challenge and defeat the Lord. God is undefeated and will remain always undefeated. And then after acknowledging God's power and authority, he then spoke of what the Lord had already done to the very same adversaries before. Again, these adversaries, were. this was happening because they were never truly defeated as they should have been. Um, but Israel and Judah are now able to withstand them. And so acknowledging what had happened before with these adversaries, Jehoshaphat was saying in his faith they could withstand them again with the Lord's help. They could not withstand them again in their own abilities, but they could withstand them in the Lord's help. You gotta have the Lord's help. And we have this saying that goes like this, if the Lord did it before, he can do it again. If the Lord did it before, he can do it again. Look at your own life. Look at the things that God has got you through before. If God has done it for you before, then God can do it for you again and again and again and again because he's your father. He loves you. He cares about you. He fights your battles. He'll guide you, lead you, and shield you and get you through this on your journey, on the way to your promised land, you, sir, ma'am, can walk in victory. God brings us through so much in our life, things that we might be aware of and things that we might not be aware of. This is what our faith is about, trusting that what God has done for us before, he will most certainly do again. I think about my own life. Why, why do I why would I worry about going through things now when I know the things that God has brought me through before? He has brought me through very drastic things and given me the victory. Why wouldn't he do it again? He will do it again. He will continue to do it again. As we're going through this journey, sojourning through this land, he is there to constantly help us as we're on our journey to our promised land. And we'll see in verse 12, he said, he asked of the Lord, will you not judge them? 
This was to ask, are you not going to do to them what you did to them before? I love it. This was a real declaring the power and the authority of God in their battle, knowing and confessing before, knowing out of their mouth that God is going to be able to deal with these problems. He was showing, Jehoshaphat was showing that he clearly understood that this looming battle was beyond what he and Judah could handle. He desired for God to take the battle completely into his hands. Completely. You got to give it to God completely into his hands. So I ask you, do you desire for the Lord to take your battle completely into his hands? If you do say, I do. I desire for the Lord to completely take my battle into his hands. And then he did something else that was really awesome. We talk about humble submission after he asked the Lord to move in judgment of his adversaries, he makes one of the humblest admissions that we see in Scripture. This is great. In the same verse, he says to the Lord, we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Have you ever been in that place? You'd feel powerless. You don't know what to do. Guess what? You got somebody that knows what to do, and that is all power, and he's on your side. He's for you. He's with you. He's there. No matter how hard-pressed you're in on every side, you are not crushed. No matter how hard-pressed you are on every side, you are not crushed. He is with you. What a humble admission this is to the Lord, and this is a key to our walking in victory in the Lord. How often do we humbly admit when we have no power over, over all that we are going through? In, our, in times when our trials, our tribulations, our afflictions are great, can we humbly admit that they, when they are too great for us, and that we need the Lord to help us with this. When our adversaries, including the devil, join in and we feel hard-pressed on every side, can we humbly admit that they are too great for us to handle? That's what we got to get to. I can't do this on my own. I'm weak in myself, but God, with you, I am strong. I can make it through this. I'm going to wait on you. I want to be steadfast through this trial and watch you do what only you can do. To watch what you can do watch you do what only you can do. He understood that the Lord was still with Judah, not only as their guide and their protector, but also as their shield and their director. He was their guide and director, their shield and protector. So he genuinely believed in the Lord. He was not ashamed to admit that he didn't know what to do um, or what he wasn't capable of. And that's what we have to get to in our lives. I don't know what to do. You ever felt like, I don't know what to do? Well, that's a good place to be because God knows exactly what to do. God knows exactly how to help you through this because he's the one who never loses. He's the one who's got the key to victory every single time, every time. You'll never lose. If you give it to God and walk with God, you'll never lose. Yeah, you're going to go through difficult things because that's part of the journey. That's part of the building of our faith. But with God, we never will lose. We'll only let ourselves get somewhat defeated because we have not turned it over to him completely. Amen. It makes us wonder why we as believers are so adamant to jump out in front of God and try to fight our own battles. We walk with this stubbornness, our ego. You know what ego stands for? Edging God out. We, we edge God out and try to handle stuff on our own. And that's not what we are called to do. We need to reach that place in our mindset. Every morning when you wake up and you put on your spiritual armor, you put on the, 
the, uh, the, the uh, helmet of salvation, you're putting on the mindset of Christ. And that mindset should convince you of not being ashamed uh, to admit your limits and, and to know when you're not capable of taking on your trials and tribulations by yourself. That's a, that's a great place to be, to completely trust in God for everything. You're a sheep. You're a sheep. They say sheep are one of them, one of, that as an animal, they are almost completely defenseless. They cannot fight for themselves. That's why you got a good shepherd. Because when the wolves are coming, he's your protector. He's your shield. He's your guide. He's the one that's with you. No matter if they're coming at you from every direction, no matter how many wolves there are, God is your shepherd. You, you need never be overcome with fear. You need never be overcome with desperation. You need to stand still, set, your, set yourself and seek the Lord and know that God is with you in the midst of your battle. He is your guide and shield and protector. So why should me or you as a child of God feel that we have to fight our own battles when the Lord is always ready to fight them for us? Amen? Wow. So we come into a key verse. In verse 15, God spoke through a prophet by the name of Jehaziel. And this prophet spoke the words of the Lord to Jehoshaphat and all of Judah in an answer to this prayer. And he said this, quote, this is God speaking through the prophet. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. God is literally saying to them, there's no need for you to be concerned or even afraid when you are surrounded by such a great adversity or adversary. The same holds true for us as well. We have no need to be concerned or even afraid when we're surrounded by so much adversity. We have no need to be concerned or to be afraid. God goes before us, and he is very aware when adversity surrounds us as we fight to draw closer to the promised land, draw closer to, to heaven, our, our, our place of final rest, to spend eternity with Christ. He knows when adversity is surrounding us. He has gone before us. It doesn't catch God off guard. An enemy to one who is in fellowship with the Lord becomes an enemy of his. An enemy to one who is in fellowship with the Lord becomes an enemy of God's. Woo! Again, our enemies are all those things that try to pull us away from the Lord. He's not going to allow anything or anyone to snatch us out of his hands. God will easily brush these things away from us with this swift stroke of his hand. They are nothing to him. He takes care of everything. We just got to let him do it. Don't go out in front of God. Let God go out in front of you. He's already there. He already knows what's happening. He even knows what's coming along the way. Just give it to him and you will Walk in confidence in your protector. Psalms 27, one of my favorite psalms in the Bible. David said, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. David said that the Lord was his light and his salvation. Who should he fear? He said that the Lord is the strength of his life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalms 27, 1. In Psalm 63, 1, David said, 
David was a man who diligently sought the Lord in his soul. David said in his heart in Psalms 27, 2 through 3, this is great. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. That's to you. That's what the Lord's saying to you today. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. That's to you. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. That's to you. That's to you today. When the wicked tries to come against you to, to, to mean you harm, they will stumble and they will fall because you've given the battle to the Lord. Though an army would encamp against you, you will not fear because you've given the battle to the Lord. Though war rise up against you, you will be confident because you've given the battle to the Lord. All that we go through in this journey is trying to consume our soul and defeat us. But we need to be confident that we can handle this battle without, we cannot handle this battle without the Lord. We have to understand that, humbly admit that. I don't have arrogance or the ego to answer yes to a question, can I handle this on my own? I cannot. I'm not going to edge God out. I'm going to let God in and I'm going to let God take over. I'm going to let God defeat every enemy, every trial, every tri tri tribulation, everything that tries to come against me and devil tries to come against me. Whoever it is, I am going to let God take my battle because he's always going to win. Amen. Man, what? wow, awesome is it to be a believer in Christ, right? You got this as a promise. This isn't, this isn't something that may happen. This is there for you to have always happen in your life and always happen in my life. David was confident that he did not have to fight his battles because the Lord would handle them for him. Jehoshaphat went to the Lord and knew that he didn't have to fight the enemies. He knew that God was going to do it for him. To Jehoshaphat, the Lord said this in 2 Chronicles, I'm getting excited here. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17, Jehoshaphat, the Lord said this to him, you will not need to fight in this battle. Woo! Position yourselves and stand still. And see the salvation, that means deliverance of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. For the Lord is with. They didn't even, if you read on further in the story, they didn't even, they didn't even need to actually fight. He sent the praisers out in front of them. And these people, they, they, every one of the enemy were wiped out. They actually killed themselves because they thought they were fighting and they ended up fighting themselves and God made a way so they all ended up wiping themselves out. They didn't have to lift a hand to do it. Remember, that's how God does it, man. You will not have to fight in this battle. You will not need to fight. And they didn't. They positioned themselves. They stood still and they saw the deliverance of the Lord. He was with them. They did not fear. They, didn't, they weren't dismayed. They went out against them and the Lord was with them. He came through for them and won them the victory. Amen. So we need to have the confidence in the Lord to keep on pushing forward. Keep on pushing forward. And I want you to know today that the battle is not yours, it's God's. Your trials, tribulations, and adversaries today, they are the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's because you are in fellowship with him. The battle is the Lord because you are a man or woman, truly a man or woman of God. He takes anything that can harm you as an attack against himself. He takes anything that could harm you as an attack against himself, and he will fight for you. He is your mighty protector. Do not be strong-willed and believe you can handle these things by yourself. You need to humbly admit that you're not capable of doing it and let God fight your battles for you. Uh, we heard a story. I'll close with this little short story. We heard 
a friend of ours was in a particular nation and they're working there and they have a child, young girl, um, under 10. And she, uh, this particular nation has a lot of Muslims in it. And, you know, in, in certain nations, Muslims do not like Christians and they do not like anybody converting to Christianity. And so she had a group of young Muslim kids surround her. She's a little Christian, little believer in Christ. She had a group of these little Muslim kids who started to beat on her and started to get her on the ground and started to kick her. And she said, when this one girl came, lifted up her leg to kick her, she said, I literally, she goes, Mommy, I saw an angel pick that girl up and threw her back on the ground. She, and, and, it all, and, and, and it all stopped. Well, I know it's coming from a child, but I believe what she said. God fought her battle. God saw the battle, saw that persecution, that adversary coming against her, and God fought her battle. Listen, your God, God is going to win in whatever battle you're in. You are destined to win because the Lord is your strength and the Lord is your protector. Admit you can't do it without him and let God step in and let God show you what God and only God can do in your situation. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I just thank you for this time together. I pray, Lord God, that everybody that's listened to this would not just listen and walk away and not let this affect them. Because I guarantee you, Lord, I know everybody who's listened to this is either going through something now or they will be going through something. They need to have the wisdom and the understanding of the Word of God and what the Word of God has shown them that you can do for them. I pray that we would all be people who would humbly admit we're not capable of handling this situation we're in ourselves. The adversaries are too many, they're too big, we can't do it. We humbly admit, God, that only you're the one that can take care of this. I pray we not let arrogance and ego get in the way, but we would hum be, have humble admission that we are incapable of dealing with it ourselves. And then we know that you will step in. We give it to you. The battle's not ours. The battle is yours. You're our mighty protector. You're our shield. You're our guide. And we thank you today. Whom shall we fear? Whom shall we be afraid of? When the enemies come against us to eat up our flesh, they will stumble and fall. When they, get cut, when they encamp against me, they will not have victory. But God, the battle is yours and you are always victorious. So we thank you today for stepping in, stepping up, and getting the job done. We trust in you. We believe in you. We have faith in knowing that God, you can take care of it. So we get rid of it, we get it off ourselves, we quit carrying it in ourselves, and we give it to you. And we now find freedom, and we now find peace, and we now find calm in the midst of that chaos. We thank you, Father God. The battle is not ours. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. I would imagine this has been a blessing to you because it has been a blessing to me. The battle's not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Get a hold of that, live that way, and watch how victorious your life becomes. Amen. God bless you. From this moment on, live all out for God. God bless you.